Gunnar Esiason, and you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esiason Foundation and GunnarEsiason.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esiason, Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar Esiason, Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Esiason, and we are back for another live episode of Breathe In. As always, I'm joined by Leah and Tiffany, our very special NACFC Week guest, Amy. And then we have Darcy with us today. You may not be able to see Darcy for some reason, but she is there. She is here with us. Uh, why does everyone say hello to our audience today? Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Didn't you miss us? Yes, it, instead of the the it's one been so long. instead of the so one week long. break that people get, they get the one day break this time. Um, so know. today we're going to talk right. about uh, some of the stuff that's still been going on at NACFC. A lot of really exciting things, um, especially stuff from last night's plenary um, about infections in cystic fibrosis. This morning's plenary about uh, inflammation in cystic fibrosis, and then Darcy's been going to a lot of the uh, mental health specific uh, topics that aren't necessarily available on the live stream. Um, right. so I am at NACFC to make that clear. Yes, Darcy yeah. is at NACFC. Darcy is actually normal. She doesn't have CF. Darcy is one of our normals. Um, so she is, is at NACFC. And to make a point clear that we actually got criticized for yesterday, people with CF aren't necessarily forbidden from NACFC. It's just right. not in anyone's best interest for people with CF to be there. I mean, let, let's, right. let, let's exactly. call it what it is. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's not the cross infection is not worth it. I felt like that was common sense, but, yeah. you know. Just to reiterate, you can go if you want, but I don't know why you would. Right. Thank you, Leah. Okay. Um, all right, so let's talk about last night's infection. I know, uh, Leah, we'll start with you here because this is something that you've really been very vocal about for a long time. Yes. So I have been vocal, especially with the foundation even, for a long time about just getting, you know, fighting these infections that almost everyone with CF ends up with at one point or another. Mm-hmm. That really needs to be on the forefront because that – not only helps people with CF, but it also helps pre-transplant. It helps post-transplant. You're not forgetting about that population, which they do get forgotten about a lot. I'm they not going to lie. <laughs> and then it also it also could benefit other populations of chronic diseases yes. or people fighting off an infection that they just can't get rid of. Like yeah. It has the potential to help so many people. It's also mm-hmm. one of the things where if we could correct that, that could buy people so much more time because a lot of the lung damage comes from these infections. Definitely. And these CFTR modulator therapies that are coming out, they don't take care of the infection. And I think that's a thing that a lot of people don't think about. They don't think about the fact that, okay, we're essentially not curing the disease, but yeah. making it easier for us mm-hmm. that it doesn't correct these infections. So I'm really happy the foundation is, you know, finally taking you know, They're addressing yeah, it. Taking yeah, steps to do this and addressing it. I just yeah. wish we would have done it a little, like, yeah. five years ago. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, and I know that they had started working on it at that point, but 
to the degree that they're going after it now. I wish we were doing it back then. Yeah, I mean, so. we've definitely had some success in the world of anti-infectives um, and cystic fibrosis. Right. Um, because, I mean, look at it this way. We have Toby. We have Kasten. Yeah. You know, those things are reformulated right. drugs that have been made for people with CF. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've definitely made some, some strides there. Um, you know, the AeroVank is on its way. Uh, and, and, and there's a few other, uh, you know, options out there for people with cystic fibrosis, whether they're, they're off-label medications or things of that nature. Um, you know, colistin is a big one that a lot of people with CFUs here in the States. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think, Amy, you had a bone to pick about last night's plenary and the infection uh, talk. Do you care to enlighten our listeners? <laughs> no, I never have a bone to pick. Um, yes, you know, I think something that's... <laughs> really underlooked, um, unfortunately, in cystic fibrosis is the role of fungus, fungi, um, if I am grammatically correct. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not, It's the registry isn't very transparent in the United States, so I'm not all that sure how many patients um, in the U.S. culture some version of a fungus, but we know in the United Kingdom, whose registry does an amazing job tracking yeah. aspergillus specifically, we're seeing upwards of 20 to 25% of all patients in the registry culture. There's no way that that's a silent actor in the cystic fibrosis lung. If we look in people with HIV AIDS, people that are immunocompromised, um, culturing aspergillus is detrimental to those people's lungs. Right. I don't see how it couldn't be um, in the in the United States as well. So I am a little sad that that didn't kind of show up on uh, the radar or wasn't discussed. It seemed to be more <laughs> bacteria focused, but um, we will persevere and <laughs> make sure that's on the radar. Get that phone yeah, guy up there. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, I think uh, the, I think these things are like they're, they're very specific, right? Um, so it, it is a little concerning and frustrating when things do, do sort of seem get to be you know brushed over or you know quickly passed over. It's sort of like the fungus. I mean, they mentioned it for like three seconds in the plenary last night, um, and then briefly in the, the Facebook <laughs> Live afterwards. Which uh, also, you know, credit the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for having the Facebook Live to include. Uh, people who may not be in an ACFC in the conver- uh, in the uh, in the conversation, um, but you know that let's uh, that that sort of takes to uh, you know sort of led well into this morning's discussion about mucoseri mucoseri I don't know how to say it, but uh, inflammation and mucociliary clearance. <laughs> I, I can't say it either. I, I know I got it. I got it right there. And um, my big takeaway from this morning's uh, you know part of the the conference was actually the things that contribute to inflammation. You know, there's reason to suggest that CFTR dysfunction um, actually contributes to inflammation with or without the presence of, uh, you know, bacteria infection. And also mucus. Mucus is also a contributor to uh, inflammation. So, um, you know, today's, you know, big talk, at least this morning, uh, was about the fact that people, you know, have access to CFTR modulators or there are also people out there who don't have uh, CFTR Mm -hmm. modulators for their specific mutations of cystic fibrosis and um, you know those people need something and we also yeah. need something to make sure the CFTR modulators work for us for a long mm-hmm. time right for sure um, and you know I'm wondering if any of you watched it this morning and what your initial thoughts on it were it's fascinating I mean I think it's really it's something Gunnar you and I have talked about that I really wasn't aware of kind of the underlying CFTR dysfunction inherently um, has some um, anti-inflammatory inducing properties in our lungs What's also interesting, though, not to reiterate, but um, once you're on a CFTR modulator, it doesn't mean that that inflammation goes away. So how do we go about treating that? And inflammation is a fascinating thing because it is a normal part of um, fighting infection, part of our immune system response. So we see in other disease states um, like uh, rheumatoid arthritis, plaque psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, 
When they try to reduce inflammation there, there can be some consequences. So I love the fact that it seemed as though in the discussion um, there were kind of targeted therapies that are being developed in CF that shouldn't affect immune system function but might still help us kind of downregulate the inherent inflammation uh, we have in the CF lungs. So it looks really promising. I'm uh, pretty pumped personally. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was a great, uh, you know, conversation this morning too or at least a lecture um I, and i'm not going to try to say dr felix's last name the doctor from sick kids in toronto he did a fantastic job and he was really uh, probably one of the more uplifting parts of the cystic fibrosis conference so far today um you know it i i, I will be i will admit that you know some of the presentations and some of the lectures are a little dry because they're very science heavy um and, and, you know, that, you know, may be a deterrence for some people to really either tune in or, or even understand what's going on. But, um, you know, I, I, I thought uh, Dr. Felix's um, talk this morning was, was really good. And he, uh, you know, rightfully said there is a lot of hope for people with cystic fibrosis, but he didn't really sugarcoat it in the sense that, um, you know, he, he said this is a problem that we have to address. And, yes. you know, I think a lot of us know with inflammation, you know, uh, Inflammation is one of those things that actually does speed up decline in, in, in the lungs, right? It creates mm -hmm. um, respiratory fibrosis, and that's that's one of those things that's irreversible, right? If you have fibrosis in the lung, that's not something that you can turn around. And when you do have scarring in the lung, it also makes, um, you know, it makes bacteria uh, susceptible to, uh, or it's, it's rather, it's susceptible to bacteria getting in and, and creating even more infection and sort of perpetuating um, the vicious cycle, as, as or the vicious cycle is what he called it. Um, so, you know, I, I thought that was a, a really good uh, talk this morning, but I want to include Darcy in the conversation here. Darcy is not really so much on the, uh, you know, this side of CF. She's more focused on the mental health side of things. Um, and for those of you who may be just joining now, uh, Darcy is with us. You may not be able to see her, but she is with us in the uh, in the broadcast, and she's actually in Denver at NACFC. Um, so, Darcy, why don't you tell us uh, some of the things that you've picked up on uh, in your time at NACFC so far? Sure. Um, it has been great so far. I have been trying to attend all of these psychosocial mental health related sessions that I can. Um, and there have been a lot of them. It's really been front and center, the, the, that kind of work. And one of the reasons is um, not quite as optimistic. So one of the reasons that I feel like we are talking about it a lot here is because the CFF mental health coordinator grants, a lot of them run out this year. Um, many of them are three-year grants for 2015 uh, they got they received them in 2015 and they run out at the end of this year. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is a bit of a panic state for some clinics. Some clinics can you know support mental health on their own. Some of those bigger clinics, but for a lot of clinics that's just not possible. So it's hard. A lot of clinics are going to be losing their their coordinators this year, whether that's a social worker or whoever kind of fills that role. Um, I'm going to stop. So you right, I'm going gonna, gonna to stop you right there real quick because you know we think yeah. we should talk about this. Yeah. You know, Definitely. for these cystic fibrosis centers to be losing <laughs> the mental health coordinator, that's a huge loss. And that's and, and quite frankly, right. that, I was blown away when you first told me that a little bit earlier. And well, I and, and I am super disappointed in Cystic Fibrosis Foundation for allowing that to happen. Yes. Um, you know, that's something that's really kind of inexcusable. Cystic Fibrosis Foundation sitting on a close to four billion dollars um, of an endowment, right? The money's there to fund these kinds of things. You know, this is essential for these clinics to survive, and especially for a lot of the smaller clinics. You know, I, um, you know, have the, the privilege to go to a lot of these cystic fibrosis centers and see what these centers are dealing with, what it's like at these centers. And um, as far as I'm concerned, mental health is, you know, one of the most consistent complaints community-wide. Yeah, right? it is. It uh, is very much and I so. Think, I think you see that a lot, when, especially when you look at, like, the CF Facebook groups and then yes. just, like, the different groups out there. Mm -hmm. I go through them a lot and just read the kind of like what a lot of patients are going through and 
that seems to be a very, it, it trends a lot. Like that comes up, I would yes. say at least daily. Um, it does. And it's very interesting reading how one clinic handle, handles it versus another. Mm-hmm. Some clinics address it. Others are like, no, we're not giving you anti-anxiety meds. You know what yeah. I mean? So well, it's just interesting how they handle those situations. Yeah, and, well, for- and it comes down to like the, the lack of, you know, standard clinical care guidelines, right? Yeah, like we right, have those right. for every other part of the disease. We, don't have, <laughs> we, we kind of have them for CF. CFF's clinical care guidelines are badly outdated. They, you know, really need updating. Um, and we yeah. don't even have a disease-specific mental health screening tool. Uh, sorry to cut you off, it's Tiffany. It's okay. I was just going to say that um, for me – Pre-transplant, I got a lot of anxiety, which, of course, I'm going to get Mm -hmm. that because of the fact that I can't breathe and I'm essentially needing new lungs, right? Right. You waited forever. So, yeah. yeah, I'd go to my CF clinic and ask why I'm feeling like this and stuff, and I wouldn't be able to get any meds because they're respiratory suppressant and they said it's not safe. So I I really didn't have any other option. They did give me a BiPAP, which did help a little bit, but that's not going to help my brain, like, right. you know, come to terms with all this stuff. So it's very important to have the mental health um, established in the clinics, especially um, I get a lot of people asking me post-transplant about what's <coughs> going on with, and that's CF-related as well. So mm-hmm. we need all this stuff funded, and I think it's it's crucial. It You know, yeah. I see all people... Right struggling and i you know it's it's heartbreaking to see that absolutely for sure and uh, i did attend a session that was about sustaining these programs how clinics can sustain these programs on their own Mm -hmm. um and there were some recommendations looking for institutional support billing center grants um which of course you know i think mental health is so important like we're talking about that you know ultimately these programs should be able to stand on their own in, in a business sense outside of cff funding but i would be um very disheartened if some of these programs ended abruptly at the end of the year. Quite frankly, I think it's right. it's unethical. I can't imagine if someone who might be in your shoes today, Tiffany, and, and is receiving all these positive benefits from a mental health coordinator, you know, pre-transplant going through all this stuff, and then, you know, January 1st, 2019, see you later. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but, you know, right. I, would, I would much prefer to see a transitioning um, yeah. mental health coordinator situation as opposed to okay the grant ends and now you're you're cutting people out then no more mental health for some of these yeah clients. you're definitely right, right. You're, you're absolutely right and i i think um you know you darcy's been to some of these cystic fibrosis clinics with me as well um mm-hmm. and, and, and she's seen how valuable these mental health coordinators are to the patients there and to the families you know these are people that uh you know the, the families and, and patients are really relying on and you know quite frankly this is a, a, a terrible thing to, to hear that this is happening um and i'm also uh you know uh I, I do want to say that we have to realize that cystic fibrosis centers generally don't make money for for the hospitals, right? right. I mean, Amy, I'm, I'm sure you can talk more about this, you know, but you know, I think you know if, if we look at cystic fibrosis centers as a whole, you know, these aren't things that make make money for these hospitals, so the hospitals aren't really willing to give a ton of funding to them, and the, the cystic fibrosis centers are, in a lot of ways, reliant on other organizations to to supplement them. Yeah, uh, I can I can be a little more optimistic about mental health if we want. 
Yeah, so um, let's, let's we can let's, let's change gears to to to, to yeah more to that positive well. note. Yeah, yes. sure. So there's there's a lot of research out there and some some new research presented at this conference, but also been out the last few years that say that CF patients are at a greater risk for depression and anxiety. And right. to that, I say thank you for getting that work done. But yes, now we can all agree that you might have feel be feeling a little down if you have a terminal illness. So thank yeah. you. So <laughs> now we are ready to yeah. move on to these actionable things. And there are Shocker. a few people here. <laughs> making it actionable. We're kind of at that stage where we can move on from this baseline research that, that we needed um, to put things to work. There are some great things um, at Drexel going on. Um, there's I'm going to a presentation today um, at, from uh, Mass General where um, a, a CF-specific uh, cognitive behavioral therapy treatment modality was created there. Um, so I'm excited about that. And um, there is actually, I was talking about Drexel, there is a woman there who did a pilot program with acceptance and commitment therapy. And um, over three months, so she, she collected data, she was able to provide telehealth in person and also telehealth, um, this special kind of offshoot of dialectical behavioral therapy that um, I had never heard of. And not only did she see that um, symptoms of anxiety and depression went down on average uh, lung function of some of the participants that she has done this kind of therapy with has gone up by 6%. Oh, wow. so, oh my gosh. <laughs> she, you know, briefly addressed the question because she only had 15 minutes. So how is this kind of therapy affecting people's lung function? How is their lung yeah. function? Going up? Yeah, anxiety, right. depression. But how is their lung function? And she actually has a, a session all to her own tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. So it has been awesome to see how some of these mental health initiatives, you know, we have all these great ideas about mental health. Yeah. Now let's actually have an impact and let's measure those outcomes. And Definitely. now we can say we have outcomes. It's beyond, yes, we're depressed and anxious. There right. are outcomes coming out of, of some of that stuff. So that has been thrilling. Yeah. It's, That's it's, amazing. It's something that absolutely has to be addressed and something that has, it's been overlooked. I mean, we also, we've talked about this where well over a year into our podcast right now and right. it's something that like continues to come up right we continue to say yeah. how how mental health isn't addressed and how uh it's you know one of those things that is just uh elusive for some reason in the cystic fibrosis world and but as soon as you know someone does kind of like oh maybe you do need some help and you do figure out a few coping mechanisms uh you know though it's almost like your health just like kind of turns around i mean darcy saw it with me um and you know it's it's kind of like we um we, we've all talked about you know for for the past couple uh, months on here on the podcast. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm interested, Darcy, is, is there anything, you know, that you've experienced from NACFC that, you know, we don't get to experience on the live stream, right? So I'm talking about, like, the water cooler talks that patients are, you know, essentially excluded from because we can't be there. Um, you know, mm -hmm. what, what have you taken away from your experience at NACFC in that way? Oh, absolutely. So I'll give you the example of what just happened to me prior to, to doing this um this live with you guys. I had planned on going. There was um, a, an hour and a half long session about uh, treatment adherence, and I had that on my schedule. And I was getting ready to go, and um, I was I was networking, and I um, ended up talking to an amazing uh, woman, Erin Moore from the CF Learning Network, and we talked for almost two hours and going back and forth with ideas. And while I was actually there, it just so happened that. Um, a, a man by the name of Andreas, he came over and just because he was there at the same time and he's actually a lawyer from Sweden. He's a, he's a CF parent. He has two kids with CF and he um, has created this app 
to empower patients and families over in Sweden, CF patients, and the app, I downloaded it, and I can't quite understand all of it yet because it's in Swedish, <laughs> but yeah. it, it, is, it is incredible. It has different parts of the family can interact with each other and communicate with each other. So the whole family is on the app, and there's little, like, faces Ooh. for each family member, and the idea is to... Um, you know, that family data is actually what drives treatment. That's actually what drives medical decisions, not necessarily, you know, the however long you're talking to your doctor once every few months at clinic. It's mm-hmm. that day to day stuff. It's, you know, how has your appetite changed? How has your mom noticed that your cough has changed? Things mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about how we can increase that patient engagement both in Sweden and here from the ground up at the pediatric level and with parents and with siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, so that wow. was, that was, that was crisis. Cool. that's something that you guys, you know, you really miss out on. You can live stream the stuff. So I ended up missing that session because I was so involved um, with these two CF parents who have these amazing initiatives that also, you know, they need a little help. They need to expand into the community. Um, But they are doing such incredible things, and I'm glad that I got to to network with those people. And um, I think we plan on teaming up and doing more stuff together. So, you know, that's definitely a testament to being here at NACFC. Yeah, that's so cool. And it's something Uh, something that we called. If you guys want to see what the app is, it's called Genia, G-E-N-I-A. G-E-N-I-A. It's really cool. Yeah, and I, okay, get on the app store. You know, I think um, you're you're absolutely right, Darcy. I mean, there's an inherent thing that, you know, that a lot of us patients do miss out on because we're not there. We're not involved in, 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 you know, in being present at NACFC. Um, And, you know, we have, you know, sort of expressed our frustrations on that. And I wonder if anyone here, you know, if Amy, Tiffany, or if any of you guys, you know, have uh, perhaps a solution to to remedy that part of NACFC that we're missing out on, right? Is there there a viable solution to that problem? You know, is, you know, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if any of you guys have an idea on that. I'm going to carry you around on an iPad next year. Yeah, I was just yes. going to say, it reminds me of uh, Big Bang Theory. Have you guys seen the shell bot? Yeah, yes, yes, of course. I have so we all need little shell bots. So I don't know. I don't think that's that far-fetched. Right. Cool. To go to each session and then, like, to like drive around, you know, you can drive around, go be wherever. That would be pretty cool. You know, that would be cool. That would be a big piece of NACFC is the the exhibition, and mm-hmm. it is this giant, giant, giant room, and it's where everyone has posters, and there's yeah. also the booths for the different kind of products. Right. Um, there's different education centers, and that's where I have made contacts. I have talked to to different doctors. We, you know, it has been that that networking piece is mm-hmm. is what NACFC is. I mean, the data you can cool. get and you can live stream. That's what you have access to. You don't have access to that critical networking piece, and then. Mm-hmm. Again, technology, hopefully in the next few years, will be able to remedy that piece, but it is, right. it is special to be here. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly sounds like it, and, I, and I'm wondering if, um, if you know, other than, you know, the conversation you just had, you know, you just kind of spoke about, what, what has really stuck out to you uh, throughout the, your, your entire time there? You know, you've talked about going to the, you know, the ex- exhibition hall and, and seeing some of the booths. Or, you know, are there anything that, is there really anything out there that, you know, people with cystic fibrosis and their families should be, should be aware of and, and keep in mind and, or really even be pushing the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to get involved in? Um, I think if we're talking grand scale things, there are people out there who are really focused on patient engagement products and research. And um, 
there's there's a lot of that there. If you want me to be specific, there's something I, I met some people from Folia, F O L I A, and they have created um, they have a pretty cool story, but they have an app that families can use um, to kind of get that day in day out information about their lives. The lived experience with cystic fibrosis is what you know is data. For mm-hmm. some, you know, a lot of a lot of professionals, your clinical mm-hmm. team doesn't necessarily know that the way that your cough sounds is data. Your appetite yeah. a few days before you get sick is data. Your mood on a certain day that that can all be quantified and drive mm-hmm. treatment and make you healthier. Um, so that's yeah. what Folia actually does. The story there, it's a team of three, and um, the one of the women on the team, she grew <laughs> up with a uh, a younger brother who had some serious medical issues, and she was explaining that her her mother had these logs. They had bookshelves filled with logs of the information mm-hmm. about his condition, and she, you know, she took notes every day, and it really drove his treatment. So what they created was an actual product for that. So they have an app where um, adults and caregivers can um, log that kind of information, and then they have it for themselves. They can upload it. They can print it. They can bring it to clinic. They can give it to their doctors prior to clinic so that the clinic has, has a focus, has a, has a goal um, and a direction, and it's it's really cool. I highly recommend that um, people look into it. So far, they've only been around for a year. They have 250 um, families using the FOIA app, and it's just so patient-centered, and it really respects, I know, Gunnar, what you talked a lot about is that the families and the patients are the experts, mm-hmm. you know, especially the patient lives with it. But, um, and I say families too, because families can use it for kids as well. And, and parents can use the app, but, um, there's gen- there's definitely, there are several people, several mm-hmm. hundreds of people at this event who are pushing a more patient centric, yes. um, cystic fibrosis community. And that has felt really cool. Yeah. I and mean, that you probably can get on the stream. Yeah. It definitely makes a lot of sense. You know, I'll say something quick about Folia and actually one of our, uh, someone watching the broadcast right now, Blair, she actually, uh, mentioned that, yeah, she uses the Folia app for, for her two boys with CF and she loves it. Um, wow. so pretty interesting that, you know, people are actually using it now. And I've, I've spoken to Nell from Folia and, uh, you know, she's amazing and she has, you know, a lot of great ideas about the Folia app. And, you know, I think we'll have them on the podcast eventually moving forward here. Um, but, you know, I, it, it is like one of those things where we always see that the most successful companies in cystic fibrosis or even pharmaceuticals are ones that really listen to feedback from the patients, right? And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the reasons why Vertex has been so successful within cystic fibrosis, um, other than their amazing, you know, modulators that, you know, yeah. are really great, but they, um, you know, they listen to patient feedback, right? And I think, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Leah, you're, you're very outspoken about, you know, people listening to patients and stuff like that. Um, right. So, you know, I, I'm wondering, you know, do you feel like you're missing out on, on not being at NACFC when, when Darcy tells you about stuff like that? Um, or do you feel like you actually feel content in what you get after the fact? I think that I wish that I could be there, but the reality is it's safer for me not to be there. Mm-hmm. just because of cross-infection with other patients. I feel like it's almost selfish of me to, like, put myself in that situation just to gain more knowledge. Right. Um, I do think in the future, I think for one, Sister Versus Foundation live streaming this year is huge. Um, I think it is an amazing step in the right direction. I commend them for doing that. I think as we move forward every year, it should kind of build, and there should kind of be steps in the right direction to get us to a point where when patients are live streaming from home, maybe it's set up kind of like BreatheCon where it's like patients go to this online community almost, and they're in this space and different, you know, I don't know, 
companies and stuff like that, like what you were talking about with like the Folia app, they have almost like a virtual booth inside yeah. of this thing. And we can kind of go around and learn about the different things and oh, at least connect cool. with each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think if there was an aspect like that, yes, it is never going to be the same as yeah. being in person, but you're not a hundred percent missing out on those connections that you could be making. Yeah. So I think there are ways to solve the problem. It's just going to be getting creative and making it happen. Mm-hmm. So again, well, I wish I could be there, but at the end of the day, it's better not to. Yeah, I mean, you know, Darcy, you were talking to me yesterday about how um, you know all these play, all these, all these companies, all the, all these, uh, you know. And organizations that want to give stuff to people with cystic fibrosis and enhance our lives are really trying to get the word out. They want to be heard, you know. Uh, you know, they, they want to, you know, they want to make themselves known. I mean, I think you spoke about, you know, a company that is coming out with a, you know, another kind of enzyme. And, and made- okay, it's an enzyme made from cheese. I'm gonna put. It's not what? a pig enzyme. It's an enzyme made from French cheese. cheese. It is incredible, and you should Google it. And uh, it is it is pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but, but, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, it's like it's, it's just like those things are out there. And if there was like, a, you know, a, a one, uh, you know, central place for all these people with cystic fibrosis and their families to go in and, you know, see this catalog of, of things that are available at the expo and really interact with them. I think that would be invaluable for not only Cystic Fibrosis yeah. Foundation, for the conference experience and also for those companies who are really trying to help us. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, pretty important. Um, um, so we're, I, you, yeah. it's it's a privilege to be here, but I wish I didn't have to speak on your behalf. As you know, because that's yeah. what I'm here to do. I'm I'm telling people right. what the patients need, and it shouldn't it shouldn't be me. It's it's lovely to be here, but it shouldn't be me. Um, we're it, grateful it, for you. <laughs> I, I, mean, I am very grateful. That thanks for there. So. Yeah, it's, yeah, we're, it's, yeah, we're certainly very thankful. Um, we're sort of running out of time here, and um, I want to give a, you know some people commenting, you know, some watching to a last opportunity to make a few comments uh, for for mm-hmm. some for some uh, for some for, for us to make some comments on on what they're saying here. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll end sort of like how we did yesterday. What are you guys looking forward to from uh, the rest of the conference? We have about a day and a half left. Um, Darcy, I know you have a pretty full slate. Um, but what what are, what are you guys really looking forward to to hear from everyone? We'll, we'll go from Amy to to Leah to Tiffany, then. We'll you know, to Darcy at the end. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm definitely looking forward to um, the partnering segment. I know I mentioned that a little bit yesterday, but I, I just think it cannot be repeated or overstated um, how important it is. We watched a segment earlier today about improving FEV1 during exacerbations, and a lot of it was dialogue about compliance, what works for you, what doesn't, you know, really tailoring. You know, we've got these guidelines, but really tailoring what works best for the CF patient to get great outcomes. So, I think that's what I'm looking forward to the most, and I'm so glad it's being highlighted. I would honestly have to agree with Amy on that one just because, mm-hmm. like I've said before, everything is just driven by the patient when it comes yeah. to best patient care. And when you have that partnering aspect, I mean, that really does drive the care in a more positive and patient-centered direction. So I'm really happy that that is something being highlighted because sometimes I think it's overlooked. So Definitely. Um. I'm interested in this pain management with CS wow, because oh, yeah, I feel like that's a huge thing in our community. It is. Not just our lungs, but every aspect of our body. 
Mm-hmm. It's in, it hurts joints. Every, yeah. <laughs> it does hurt. You know? My bones, they, and, they and hurt like all the time. 80, it's like we're 80 years old. That's how I feel some days. I'm like, it's I can't like, bend my knees. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> so I'm really interested in that and like adulting with CF and stuff. <laughs> so yes, just kind of those aspects uh, that they're going to touch on, I think are going to be good to listen into and get their ass, like what they're doing for that. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Right after I, I hang up, I'm headed to the Psychosocial Research mm-hmm. Showcase, which I'm very excited yep. for. And I just want to say if there are any patients or families out there who have questions about anything psychosocial or mental health related, please consider me a vehicle for those questions. You can you can comment on here and I will do my best to hunt anyone down, any experts, <laughs> and try to get you answers. You're the best. You're the, you are the best. You are the best. I'm trying. So awesome. A viable resource for all of us. Um, so now we'll answer a few questions here at the very end. Um, we've gotten a few. Uh, one, Blair actually asked another question. Um, she asked in regard to pain management, do any of you watch the alternative medicine panel from yesterday and your thoughts on medical marijuana? Um, I thought um, I'll, be, I'll be very brief about the alternative medicine panel from yesterday, and then I'll let Amy go on because I know she's dying to say something. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I look very... I look down on on alternative remedies, right? I think um, they're alternative for a reason. If they were, um, if if they were accepted, you know, we'd all be using them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they would be standard yeah. community wide, and uh, alternative yeah. remedies are. It's a, it's a whole, it's a, it's a bunch of crap is what it is. Um, and then, you know, as far as the medical marijuana thing is, I think we need more research around it. Uh, we know that Corvus is coming out with, uh, anti-inflammatory. Hopefully it'll get approved here within the next couple of years. Um, that is a marijuana derivative. That'll be actually exciting if that gets through and, you know, anti-inflammatories are something that we desperately need. Um, but my feeling on the, uh, alternative remedies is big thumbs down. They suck. Um, Amy, why don't you, uh, make a comment there and then we'll, we'll sort of move on. Yeah. Sure. I'll keep it brief in terms of pain management. I mean, think, you know, uh, cannabinoid receptors, um, taking a look at uh, CBD oil. I, obviously, more research needs to be done, uh, but it does seem to show some promise. We're all walking pharmacies. We're on 20 different medications, you know, making yeah. sure that we're not, you know, ac- accidentally inhibiting a liver enzyme or, you know, making our blood clotting time too long for those of us that are susceptible to homoptosis. There's a lot of things that go into it. Um, and interaction. So I think, you know, treading lightly while also being open-minded. Um, I think the experimentation can be a little um, dangerous, but I'm really excited to see research progress because I think there may be something there. Yeah, it's also the kind of thing that, you know, I think needs to be studied community-wide because they have to know how these things are going to interact with our medications, right? That's the most yeah. important thing, right? If you, if you don't know how it's going to interact with the standard medication or something that's, you know, part of standard care, then, you know, then you're going to have an issue. Ultimately, if you are going to think about, if you are thinking about different things, just bring it up with the care team and you got to be open and honest with them because they know what yeah. these interactions look like. Um, one last question is um, how often do you guys do podcasts well we do podcasts every thursday we have one more live broadcast tomorrow during nacfc make sure you catch us then but otherwise we're always available on itunes youtube and soundcloud and of course gunnerassias.com and if you do like our podcast on on any of those areas especially itunes remember to like or no subscribe rate and review yes subscribe rate review yes five stars on itunes please if you if you follow us there and then also uh you can hit us up on uh instagram that's at breathe underscore in underscore pod on instagram that's also our email address is breathe underscore in underscore pod at assias.org um and then i'm gonna assias and they're the salty sisters and our two guests are anonymous people um (laughs) so (laughs) 
but they're but they're here with us, but they're here with us right now. Um, so thank you guys for uh, tuning in uh, tuning in this way uh, today in our our Facebook Live. We will be back tomorrow. Uh, I'm Gunnar Siasen. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Bye guys.